Welcome to Signs of Life, exploring survival of consciousness. Brought to you by Forever Family Foundation on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting, an echo can never be changed. So I call your name. And welcome to the gathering on Signs of Life Radio. I'm Bob Ginsberg, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tom Gould and Melissa Gould. How are you today? Doing well. Okay, yes, good. Yeah. Uh, as you know, this is the, the gathering show is where we devote the entire show and every show to your questions about the afterlife and all matters re- relating to it. Um, some of you email questions to us in advance, and I have those. Uh, but if you if you didn't have a chance to do that, uh, call us. You know we don't bite. <laughs> well, once in a while, Melissa may, but I, Tom and I never bite. And, um, the phone the phone number here is eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. Before we get started, um, I became aware that we had um, one seat opened up for our grief retreat in October in California. So uh, we're about to go um, to the wait list, but if you're interested in securing that seat, send an email to events at foreverfamilyfoundation.org and we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, so let's get into um, some of um, our questions. Let's see, we have... This person writes, when, when the members are so deep in grief, how do you explain to them why they haven't ever had any signs at all? Um, the ones with survivor guilt, even thinking that their spouse is mad at them. And, and, and she's, this person evidently helps other people. So she says, how do I justify getting so many huge after-death communications? And they are not. Um, and then in turn, she says, how do I help them? turn the corner to get their heart wide open um, so that they're sad, but happy their loved ones are in a better place. I guess, you know, that that's a question that we seem to get um, every show, you know, and people uh, say why they haven't, you know, had, you know, any signs at all. So I don't know that there are many possible, you know, answers, um, one thing we do know, it's not because that the person is, is mad at them. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, um, you know, that, that's, in the, so what are possible reasons? I don't know. Um, you know, maybe people, um, some people seem to need help with their frequency levels, you know, and to have the residents to be able to get through. Uh, some people, have take longer to adjust. Some people may have other things to do. Um, so we don't really know the, the answer to that. Um, you know, as far as helping people turn the corner, um, it's pretty much what we do every day, you know, talking about 
all the evidence, you know, and 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 that 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 the evidence can open up their hearts to, you know, receive um, you know communications when they learn about the things that we talk about, the near death experiences, and the and the the after death communications, and the um, uh, you know reincarnation and and deathbed visions, and all the things that that we discuss. Um, so I don't know. If you have anything to add regarding that question, we've you know addressed a lot about why some people um, don't get it, don't get the signs. But if you do, no, I could just say, Bob, I've said enough times how I've been a lifelong believer in the afterlife, but really not based on the signs I've gotten. When Tom's dad passed, and Tom's dad was not a believer. There were all of these amazing signs that we were all aware of. For me, when my dad died, when my mom passed away recently, there wasn't, there hasn't been any big aha or wow. Uh, I didn't get anything uh, significant that so many people talk about. I know, isn't it in the Surviving Death docuseries where uh, the bird lands on a woman and stays there yeah a butterfly i look for the signs everywhere and and for my own personal situation knowing my parents love the outdoors love nature i spend a lot of time just even in my yard walking around the yard just taking note of things and thinking about them so i'm creating my own connections without anything extremely out of the ordinary happening. And I guess I'm fortunate that my belief system is is just so strong that that satisfies me. But it's got to be so difficult for a spirit to be able to make themselves known. It's, it's not, it cannot be easy. No. And, and, and you know, this is another similar question that came in, you know, person writes, what, what factors on the other side influence a loved one being able to communicate with us? Um, I realize it depends on us and how well we can quiet our mind and emotions in order to tune in on that wavelength. But as far as factors on the other side, what can, why can some souls seemingly make contact easier than others? You know, and she adds, why would someone who was strong, vibrant, powerful, dynamic, influential, and verbal on the earth plane have difficulty communicating with us on the other side? You know, as I was reading that question, I was thinking of Fran because she was all those things. And yet I don't, I, you know, I don't get a, a lot of signs, although, you know, I've gotten some. So I don't know, you know, maybe like I've said before, maybe the reason is because they're trying to come up with something, you know, that's very, very, very specific so that you won't question it. Um, so that, that could be a possible reason as well. And um, nothing pedestrian for Fran. She right. Was- you know, so that's the thing. Well, you know, interest, interest, you know, interestingly enough, um, you know, the, as you know, I mean, I, I had gotten um, a medium reading, uh, which I've, you know, uh, which I haven't done in, many, many, many years. And I've never gotten a reading from a certified medium from, from the foundation because I wouldn't trust the information. So I, I got, I got a reading from um, an excellent medium. I knew she was excellent because I, 
uh, was privileged to score some of the readings, you know, that she did, even though she wasn't certified by us. And, and then I, I got a tremendous reading. So the way I reason that out is, you know, then like Fran would know that I wouldn't question it because this medium didn't know anything about me. So that, that's why, you know, it came through. So, you know, thing, things like that, um, there are all, all sorts of factors. Uh, I had another one here. I, I noticed that in readings, it's common for a medium to spend a lot of time on the cause of a loved one's death, even though there are so many other topics they probably want to talk about. I'm wondering why the reason is. Is the crossing over experience requested by the medium? Is this a standard evidential detail? Yeah. Um, address that? Yeah, I've read uh, autobiographies from mediums and the ones who study at the Arthur Finley School in England, uh, they are trained to do that. It's kind of name, rank, and serial number that you uh, establish uh, you know, the, the cause of death pretty much first, kind of to, as part of the evidence uh, that you're bringing somebody who died in a car accident, somebody who died of a heart attack, if you bring that up and that's the loved one you're looking for, or, or maybe not even looking for, it's someone you recognize that helps you in the identification program process. And, uh, and then they will say about how old they were, maybe some physical appearances, if they can see that. So uh, that's all part of the evidence that they bring forward before that they come to you with the messages that that the spirit wants to impart. Uh, you know that basically that they're they're doing well. They're still alive in the in a sense. Their their life goes on even though it's not physical. And uh, you get that and how much they love you and, and care about you and are part of your lives. Uh, and, of course, if you go to a reading and you sit down and the first thing they say is, well, I've got somebody here on the other side who loves you very much. Well, does that mean anything to you? I mean, obviously, you want to hear that, but how do you know it's from your loved ones? So they, they need to establish that you know that it is them that they're communicating with. And that's one of the best ways that they can do it. Right. Um, Question. Could you explain how mediums communicate? Is it with symbols, words, visions, had a reading and was confused by several things that the medium said, including that she's seeing a middle name starting with E. Um, She writes, why not a first name? you know, a coin, uh, a month attached to someone. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of vague information there. Exactly. But but, but in the, in the first part of your question is, um, yes, they communicate with all those things, symbols, some, you know, mediums describe having visions, uh, some, you know, actually see words, some hear a voice, some have a strong uh, feeling of touch or something happening to their body, um, sense of smell. So all the mediums, none of the mediums work, you know, I shouldn't say none, but mediums all work differently. They have their own parameters and, you know, they work. So um, obviously 
it's not a direct phone line, you know, and, and there's a lot of interpretation that takes place and some of the information is very subtle. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting when we talk to the mediums that they, they all describe getting information in different ways. And isn't that explained in that wonderful book, The Medium Explosion? About yeah. The- yeah, thanks for that plug. Yes. <laughs> Book that was an unsolicited plug, yes. <laughs> um, have you noticed any consistencies in how mediums prepare for a reading? I really ha- haven't. I mean, we, we, we know that some mediums like to meditate before they do a reading. Um, some have different rituals that they go through. You know, some speak to their spirit guides I know I've had mediums say that they can't eat anything before doing a reading, but yet I've been with mediums in social settings that they're eating a huge meal and then they're going right out and doing readings. So this doesn't seem to be, it's whatever works best for the medium. So I guess when you ask that question, people are trying to figure out if there's any commonalities so they could do what the medium's doing to, to enhance their, you know, chances of getting a reading. But, um, I guess it all comes down to any way that you can get into an altered state of consciousness, um, whether that be through meditation or music or whatever. I mean, that's the direction that you go. You know, when the readings have occurred, you know, that I've been around, the medium does seem to get into their connection mode pretty quickly. It doesn't take more than a, a minute or two. Of that's true. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's always pretty quick. Yeah. That's why I was just fascinated when when Janet Mayer used to speak her languages. And she still does. So, you know, you would think that she would have to get into some sort of a major zone or altered state of consciousness. And yet, as you've experienced, you just say, Janet, speak the language. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> can't be explained, but that's the way, that's the way it works. Um Here's one. I'm a new member of Forever Family Foundation. After watching the show Surviving Death on Netflix, after my father passed away the week before, I've always believed in the afterlife, but that show did help me bring me peace. My questions, do you think every person has the ability to be visited by their loved one? And do you believe every past loved one has the ability to reach out to the living? Um, So... I know that we always say that everybody has the ability, but yet, you know, the fact is that some, some people can't, you know, or, or don't seem to be able to. So I think there's, it is some sort of a, an ability and some people have more and less ability than others. Uh, but potentially every person, yes, does have the, the potential to, to speak to somebody in spirit. The other part of the question was, um, does everybody on the other side, you know, have the ability to connect, you know, and as we touched on before, I think, as you said, Melissa, that it can't be easy, you know, so it's a learning process. You know, we talk about people having, you know, discarnates having mediums in their world too, to help them, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and so um, can't be an easy trick to to lower your frequency. I'd have to say though, it is easy for us to communicate with them. We just talk to them. 
I'm not saying it's easy to get an answer, but it's, if you want to speak to your loved ones, you just speak it or think it and direct yeah. it to them. It's the answering part. And the, and the other part of the, the other possible answer is that, yes, everybody is communicating. We're just not always picking up on it. Right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know I've, I had talks with the, the mediums, especially when I compliment a medium on a, what a fantastic reading. And she goes, well, it's not me. It's just that. And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, there are, if you're watching television and you have a big HD TV widescreen or you have an old little black and white with a, an antenna on it, you're going to get a better picture. <laughs> and some mediums are the HD and some are the, uh, the little TVs. And, uh, and also, the other, to the question of can an, anybody do it, it's, I'd say yes. Uh, I'm, and again, and one of our uh, mediums constantly says, you can do that. You don't need me. You can do this yourself. And uh, I put that akin to playing the violin. Anybody can play a violin, but if you pick up a violin and you've never played before, you're not going to be asked to be on the stage at Carnegie Hall. Right. Uh, so, you know, and it takes time. It takes practice uh, to get to a point where you can make music. And mediumship, I'm sure, is the same way that it takes uh, practice and discipline before you can do a reading for a group or individuals. And conversely, I do think that it goes both ways, that if you're on the other side, because mediumship is you're raising your vibrations, but spirit is lowering their vibrations so that you can meet in the middle and communicate. Well, it takes practice on the other side to get to a point where you can communicate with a medium and then let alone to try to communicate with just your normal person who's not a medium takes a lot more practice and effort. So I think that is the, you know, the, the best explanation that I can come up with at this point about that, which okay. includes the signs. Okay. Here's one. Um, I've been told by mediums that if my brother didn't die the way he did, which was a car accident, uh, there would have been something else that he was not going to live beyond that time. Is it true that the soul's the soul code dictates when someone's going to die? Hence, it's, it is fate and destiny. Or is it true that the soul chooses from the beginning when and how they will die? Um, you know, you know, we, we probably all think of this in different ways. So um, what do you what do you think, Melissa? I do know that I've read accounts of people who have lost children and throughout the child's life. That child has expressed. Said made comments to, to indicate they're not going to be around for very long. And of course, most parents hearing that, you know, would push it down. Oh, you're being silly. That can't be true. But I've heard of so many incidences that 
I think, and, and I think you know too, Bob, from your own experience, that there seems to be with some young people an indication that they're aware that their time here on earth is limited. I know also that some people who've had near-death experiences, now I don't recall if this was someone we knew, but there was somebody who was in two accidents and the first accident had, a, I, this, I'm recalling the details incorrectly perhaps, but the first accident had a cousin in the car with them. And I don't believe the cousin his time had come yet. The two survived. And then something like two weeks later, that same person was in a car accident that, that took their life. There were more details than that uh, from when I was told the story. But I, I just feel like in some cases, but how do we know that you come with a certain amount of, of energy to complete whatever you've come here to complete? And it might be that you complete it. I've heard mediums say that to people who've lost children due to a miscarriage, that the that the child just wanted to be wanted. And the parents, you know, they the child wasn't meant to live, but it it, it came to be wanted and loved and it and it fulfilled that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... Going back to the question itself about uh, the the person who died in the accident and had they not had that accident, would they have died anyway? And I kind of, you know, you've heard the expression, you know, when, it, when your time is up, your time is up. And as Melissa alluded to, some people in near-death experiences who were flatlined in a hospital or wherever and, and clinically dead, uh, they got over to the other side and they were told, well, no, it's not your time yet. So they were sent back. So, yeah, it's it's a matter of timing. Now, a little further on in the question, you said, well, is that all predetermined before you come here? And to an extent, yes, uh, there's the social, or the I don't know what they call it, the, the contract that you make. When soul you, contract. The soul contract. And that you know, as you say, some people are only going to be here for a little time and others for longer. Uh, I don't necessarily think necessarily that the date and time of your death is predetermined because of what Melissa said of free will. You're here uh, doing something. You know, you, you've, you've been told to come here. You've been told here's what your purpose is. And when you complete that, you're done. Uh, so some people might complete it sooner and some might later. So I think that date that you finish up is, uh, can be, can move the, the, the needle, if you will. Um, of course, you know, that makes you think, well, if I just sit home and don't do anything, then I'll never finish <laughs> my thing and I'll be here in, for another hundred years. That's true. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I sometimes wonder, um, as Melissa mentioned, you know, like in, in children, you know, that they, um, you know, that they, they have this strong sense that their life is going to be um, short. You know, it's, it's also possible in my mind that it's a precognitive experience. I mean, they're catching a glimpse of the future. As, that's an alternative theory to, 
that it was, you know, predetermined, you know, that they're just seeing what, what the, you know, that the end is going to happen. So um, it's a complicated issue, but um, I know that the popular um, and most prevalent spiritual theory is, you know, what, what Tom had mentioned, you know, that there is a, you know, a contract and, and, uh, you know, uh, then you get into the other issues of why, why choose a, why get into a contract where you're only going to, you know, live five years or something like that, you know, and then you get into the broader perspective of fulfilling, uh, you know, uh, fragments of your soul to, to complete that oversoul, so to speak. So um, I wish I knew the answer, but I will someday. Do you, do you Bob? Because if we knew all the answers right now, how boring would that be? We need this unknown to discover. We That's true. This, this adventure ahead of us. That's why they call it the great unknown. <laughs> yes. The unknown, it's great. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I wouldn't want to know the specific time that I did, that I was going to pass. I mean, that would that would not be good. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> so, although some people would would disagree, saying, "Well, it gives you time to um, you know stop working and live your life better, or you know, or, or um, change the way that you act and get your affairs in order and all that kind of stuff." But that's a heavy load to know that, okay, I've got, you know, 10 months and two days left, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. so th- this is more of a narrative here and there's a question at the end and I don't know how to uh, shorten it. So I'm just going to read the whole thing. Um, I became a true believer of the spirit world back in 1994 after losing my father, after doing much research, Elizabeth Kubler, Ross then became my true hero. My father had a massive stroke during bypass surgery. His surgeon didn't realize how much plaque invaded his arteries, which contributed to the stroke. He went into a coma. um, And after 10 days, we decided to pull all life support uh, due to no brain activity. Uh, She was devastated. um, And um, while her dad was in the coma, she received several signs from him and knew he was not coming back. After a month, a month after he passed, he came to me in a dream. This dream was nothing like I ever experienced. He was glowing as he spoke to me. I remember asking him what it was like up there, and he smiled and said, oh, it's beautiful. After that, I know we had a conversation, but I can't remember what we spoke about, and to this day, still can't remember. I do remember feeling that the dream gave me closure, and I long, no longer carry the heaviness, heaviness of grief anymore. Um, you know, and, and it goes on. But ba- basically, uh, she's had, you know, several dreams like this that were enormously comforting. But she's troubled by not being able to remember the specifics of the conversation. And I would say um, the conversation is not the point. The fact that he appeared to you to let you know, and he was glowing, mm-hmm. that's enough. You know, I mean, the conversation was secondary to the fact that he made it happen. Right. And you asked, she asked a question and she has the answer and she remembers the question and the answer. So she got the message that she was looking for. Right. 
What did you? What was the re- reference to Elizabeth Kubler Ross in that question? Well, she was just doing um, after, like a lot of people, she started researching after wow. her father passed, and she came upon, upon mm-hmm. uh, Kubler Ross. Um, let's take a caller. Uh, we have another Melissa on online too. Uh, Melissa, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Oh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, I have a quick question. Um, something that's really been bothering me, um, and you know, I've watched some of those shows on TV, like Ghost Hunters and things like that, and it seems like when they're talking to these entities through whatever, whatever devices they have, that um, they sometimes hear, you know, I need help or help me or something like that. And then they're all excited that they contacted some, somebody, but I don't think they've helped them. And they, they're, I've seen where, you know, mediums have done that uh, and, and connected and, and given them the help to follow the light or whatever. But I'm really concerned then about all the entities that might be out wherever in haunted houses or whatever. You know, uh, are they stopped and for how long? Yeah, well, you know, it's... It's a question that gets asked a lot, and and, and the interesting thing is that out of all the media, medium readings that we've witnessed over the many many years, um, we've the mediums never ever talk about somebody being stuck. Um, it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. I mean, never. Um, so um, you, now I know that there are many people, including some researchers that believe that there are people that when they enter spirit, they have a very, very strong attachment to, to, to their earthly existence and they have a hard time adjusting to their new environment and therefore they try to stay close to the earth plane. Um, and I don't doubt that that happens, but I think it's clear that it doesn't last for long. You know, that there's a lot of help on the other side and and people are always advancing and getting more and more, you know, enlightened. So um, that, you know, attachment, um, you know, goes away. You know, these I like these shows like to, um, you know, highlight that kind of stuff because it's it's got the spooky factor and, you know, and, and the fear factor and. It makes for good, you know, television. But in reality, I mean, we just don't see it, you know, and it's I find it a little odd, you know, that the same way that negative information never comes through in the readings that the mediums give. And their answer to that is that, um, well, they ask their guides or they figure out a way to surround themselves with white light and they ask that no negative energy, you know, you know, comes through. So, um um, and I know that there are also practitioners that their specialty is guiding people to the to the light. I don't know how they do it, but that's how they advertise, you know, this their services. Uh, and you 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 know can believe you know what you want to believe, but our experience has been that that doesn't happen too often. Yeah, I, when you use the word stuff. Uh, stuck uh, implies that they can't get away, but it's, as Bob said, it's more of a conscious thing in that 
maybe they don't even know that they're past or or they like to be where they are. And of all of the accounts that I've heard from people who have uh, released these people, it's it, they say, you know, they tell them, go to the light or that, and then the person can do that. Uh, so it's not about, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm trapped here. It's not, it's not that way. It's just, you have to make the conscious decision. Like we talked earlier about, uh, you know, you have to uh, kind of agree that, okay, I'm going to let go and I'm going to move on. Uh, now, there's an, a, another thing that, for example, in a haunted house, as you mentioned, there where there's a, a rocking chair on the second floor that's always rocking and some people see a woman walking back and forth, uh, that is what they call resid residual energy that somebody who lived years and years and years and did this routine after they've passed, they've left the energy stamp. And that's what some people see in a haunted house is this uh, residual energy. It's not really, it's not a ghost or a spirit that's there. It's just the imprint of when the spirit was there that you can still see. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm greatly relieved, quite frankly, because that's been on my mind for a while. So yeah, well, uh, I'm glad there's always an exit. You know? Yeah, rest easy. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. calling, Lucy. Have a good Thank evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, let's see. Um, do our brains play a role in spirit communication? Uh, you know that that that's a good question because we're always talking about how our our consciousness or our brain or our minds or our soul can act independently of the physical brain, which would seem to indicate that the brain plays no part in spirit communication. But um, we know that certain scientists, like there's a doctor uh, Stuart Hameroff, you know, who's has a theory that there are microtubules micro in our brains that facilitate these non-physical experiences through a quantum process. Um, and he studies that. Um, and we know that um, one theory is that, you know, we all have DMT um, in, in our uh, uh, pineal gland in our brains. And a lot of people both from the research community and the spiritual community believe that that plays a role. You know, why else is DMT there? You know, what um, is DMT, Bob? Um, you know, I, I can't even pronounce what it stands for, but it's a hallucinogenic oh. substance that is not only appears in all humans and their brains, but in all species, you know, plants, animals, and so forth. So you ask yourself, for what purpose? Everything has a purpose, right? You know, so why would we have this um, uh, psychoactive material, you know, as part of us? So to me, it's logical that it plays some sort of role. So I'm, I'm not going to say that the brain doesn't play a role. And, and a lot of scientists now are doing, you know, brain mapping, and, and they're trying to see when a, let's say, for instance, when a medium is engaged in spirit communication, what areas in the brain show a change, you know, and, and, and they'll, and, and of course the goal is if they can isolate something, 
then that may be that it, that'll help us all to engage in communication on our own, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's, it's, um, there's a lot to, to learn from that. Um, how do mediums distinguish between their own thoughts and thoughts from spirit? Um, <laughs> I could give you an answer. Tom, do you want to answer that? Well, uh, again, they uh, just experience, uh, like we were talking about before, of how they even get their information. And some of them will see, I've heard many times they'll say, you know, was he in the military? And and they'll say, I ask you that because they showed me my brother who was a cop and I see the badge. So I'm seeing a uniform. So they have their symbols. They, oh, they're showing me white roses. That means there's a celebration coming up or the, you know, that's for love. So there's, they get these, they develop through their spirit guides and through uh, practice uh, a whole series of symbols that are shown to them. And then that cues, cues them to tell that to the, the sitter. And then of course, there are things that aren't part of their lexicon of, of symbols that it's just a, why is he showing me a fire truck? And they will ask you that. They, well, my, my dad was a fireman, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, that's that's one specific medium who gets their information. So they know, they see a symbol and they go, oh, this is being given to me. Um, yeah, I, I off personally, I'll be thinking about something and then I'll, I'll think something in my mind and then immediately come up with the, the contradiction saying, oh yeah, well this. And I'm thinking, well, did I? Am I saying that to myself or is somebody yeah. spirit saying, yeah. well, you know, have you thought of this? Right. So I don't, you know, again, I don't know if it's me or, or the spirit and, and it's not really up to them to determine what's them or what spirit. If they, if something comes into their head during a reading, they give that to the sitter and they don't have, they don't try to make, they shouldn't try to make sense of it. They just, Put it out there and say, "I just heard this. Well, does that mean anything to you?" And and then that will lead them down a path. Sometimes, yeah. And and you know, a lot of mediums have told us over the years that they struggled with that from the early part of their careers. You know, they questioned themselves. You know, am I really getting this from spirit, or is it my, my imagination? Am I, you know, is it coming? internally am I getting it versus you know externally and I think that as they got better and, and more experienced as as a medium um, they no longer questioned you know so I think it comes from experience um, and and us not being mediums um, like Tom said we, we're going to question you know all the time but if you're doing this you know constantly um, it reaches a certain point where they know they just know, you know, when something's coming from an outside source. You know. Yeah, and, and, and the mediums, they get surprised as well. I've many times, I'll, they'll be doing a reading and they'll say, you know, what does this mean? And the person on the, that there is the sitter will say, well, my gosh, that's exactly what my, my father did. 
and I've seen the medium go, whoa, you're <laughs> kidding? Wow, you know? So they're as impressed as we are some of the times with how these these messages come through. Yeah. Um, here was a question. How do our loved ones in the afterlife recognize you when you cross over? Okay, so that that's that's a good question. You know, and, and I think it's... Um, we we have our own i mean i think i think that like in this when we cross over to spirit we radiate a very specific frequency you know um and it's hard to put into physical terms but it's just a sense you know that there's an attraction you know like we say that you know, that love bonds you know last forever and somehow you know, I, I, th- I think I once mentioned that watching that documentary on penguins when they when they come back to they go out for food for a month yeah. and they come back and there's literally 500,000 penguins and they all look exact. They all look exactly the same. And how does that mama every damn time immediately hook up with the baby? You know, but I, I think it's a similar thing, you know, in the afterlife. You know, we have bonds that are not broken and we we're, we're, we have a resonance with our, our loved ones. And we just know. We know from near-death experiences that when people cross over, they're, they're, their loved one is right there. They, you know, they're greeted, you know. And, um, and they're not even fully in, in the afterlife yet. So yeah. um, it's hard to, for and us also, to... Yeah. yeah, we've also been told that your loved one will greet you on the other side. And not only that, they know you're coming. They know when it's your time. And, uh, and they've been with you all this time anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. So they'll know what you look like. Uh, but again, what will you look it's like when your look. body is gone? Uh, you, I mean, you'll look like how you want to look, uh, it seems. But but also there's many, many stories in hospice and hospitals of people on the brink of death who see their loved ones in the room. And then and, and call them out by name and, and whatever. And uh, so that that energy bond is there. And, and I don't know if the question was asked, is there concern? Will they know me when and will I walk around and wonder it with a looking yeah. for the sign that says, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, from now on, I'm taking note right now. This will be called the penguin theory. So yeah, yeah right. Refer to it in the future. Right. Um, you know, why do some people not see their deceased loved ones when they're getting ready to die? Does, does that mean that nobody has come to help them cross? Um, I don't I don't believe so. I think that we all have um, assistance when, when we cross over. That's why so many people have these deathbed visions. It's just that um, some people are. I mean, they're nearing death. They have issues. They have physical issues. They have mental issues and emotional issues. And um, they may see their loved one, but how would we know if they can't communicate it? You know, so, you know, maybe they're in a coma, you know, maybe they're, you know, they're they're zonked out, you know, so, um, but that doesn't mean they're not seeing. So I, I believe that everybody, as somebody to help them cross. And then of course, the other question is somebody says, well, you know, what about a, a you know, what about a child who hasn't, doesn't have anybody in the afterlife, you know, who's going to help them. But 
evidently, you know, we believe that there's people assist, you know, from, it doesn't have to be somebody from your immediate family. Everybody has somebody. Every We all came from somewhere. Yeah, you have right. grandparents, great-grandparents. Right. Uh, you know, look after the family. That's, there's, there's, there's a line that went back to the dawn of man, so, and, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe before, so. And, yeah. and you're right. There there are, I've, we have heard accounts that there are, there are spirits that are there strictly to help people cross over. Mm-hmm. Whether right. you don't have a, like you say, a child whose immediate family is all still alive, there'll be, there'll be a spirit to guide them. We all have spirit guides. So you're born with spirit guides. So if it's your family or your spirit guide, somebody will be there. Yeah. If, if my loved one was sick or elderly, will they be healthy and comfortable on the other side? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, that's one of the major messages that come through in medium readings for people who are in wheelchairs or uh, uh, blind or anything. They'll the first thing they'll say is, "I'm dancing now. This is fantastic. You know, I'm over here and and it's beautiful. Everything looks great." And you know, that's that's the messages. Ninety nine percent of the time in a reading is is how wonderful it is. Yeah. And, and and don't forget when some people have these dream visitations, um, sometimes they describe their father coming through and he's a child, you know, they, they see him, you know, as a child. So, you know, how do they recognize them? Well, they just do. It goes back to what we were saying before. There's that connection and you just know, you know, you know, it's your dad. And dad want that's the way dad was happy and wanted you to see him. So that's that's the way he uh, he appeared. Yeah, my mom had a my mom had a vision of my dad after he passed, and and hearing her description of it, and he's like, and he looked much younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That makes sense. Uh, does the version of the afterlife we get depend on what we believe? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, look at near-death experiences that come from different countries. Um, some people see religious figures, you know, but, you know, some people might see Buddha. Some people might see Muhammad. Some people might see Jesus. Some people might see, you know, Moses. So um, our beliefs um, affect um, how we interpret what we're experiencing. So we're all seeing the same thing, you know? So let's say if we're seeing a, uh, an ethereal being, our own conscious interpretation says, Oh, that must be. Um, so, so I think that, yeah, the versions of, of the afterlife are, are, uh, depend on what we believe. But on the other hand, when you read these accounts of, from people, either the channel, the council from near-death experiences, and they talk about, you know, the vibrant colors and the, and the music like they never heard before. And, 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 and the, uh, the, you know, the beautiful landscapes and things like that. Um, I don't think that's colored by their beliefs. That's just pure experience. Right. Yeah. 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 And well, you know, they, there's a common philosophy, uh, I don't know how common it is, but it's a philosophy that you create your own reality by manifesting and uh, setting out intentions and that sort of thing. 
And uh, I actually was reading something today that says in the afterlife, you create that reality too. And which is probably a lot easier than for us to create our reality now. And uh, I, I, something I was reading was talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm living in a house over here and you know, I, I got everything I want in it. And how, how is it that house is there? Because you've, you've you've manifested it right um could our loved ones live on through organ donation um i like that question you know it it's a part it it, it's it in in a sense they do because we've read um i've read books on the subject where the person that receives the the organ starts taking on personalities and habits and likes and dislikes of the of uh, of the person who don't donated the organ like somebody all of a sudden um has a craving you know to smoke cigarettes when they've never smoked a cigarette in their life or somebody picks up a drink of scotch when they you know never had scotch before so in a sense yeah i i would say that they're they're living on now that now I don't know if that has anything to do with consciousness in terms of, uh, you know, um, you know, your soul being put into the new body. I think that has more like an imprint, you know, that you're getting from, yeah. uh, from the other person. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, ultimately it is just a physical part of you that, uh, but it is interesting. Well, you know what it is, is more than being a spiritual continuation, your organ has your DNA in it. So when you put an organ in somebody else's body, that DNA is messaging the rest of the body. And, and like you say, certain cravings or whatnot may be part of your DNA. Right. We've got a couple of minutes to address one more question. You know, can mediums see the future? Um, Some can, but I wouldn't put much stock in it, you know, because (laughs) I've seen a lot of really terrific evidential mediums, you know, make statements about the future that are way off and never, you know, never, never happen. I've I've found just in my limited, maybe not even readings directed towards me, but, but, well, all right, I'll just finish my sentence. They're often off about dates, but we know time has no relevance anywhere, but right here to keep us all organized. So that would explain that, perhaps. Yeah. That's the only part where I've heard our extremely talented mediums often say something that doesn't turn out to be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. So, you know, maybe they are seeing one fork in the road, but free will pushes you to another fork. So that's a good point. Yeah, but but I, but it's a good um, thing to discuss because too many people put too much rely too much on things said by by psychics, you know, as opposed to mediums, um, and they 
change their lives based upon what they hear. And that could be dangerous, you know. There have been so many dangerous stories like that, where someone puts some in, gullible person is convinced that the psychic is giving them accurate information to the point that, of course, they're already paying the psychic for this information, but the psychic is then turning them against the logical people around them and guiding them not to talk to them. So it's a horrible situation where they're paying the psychic more and more money and the psychic is, you know, warning them and they're believing it that so-and-so isn't looking out for their best interests. So it can, you almost need an intervention for something yeah. like that. And of course, the, you know, with, with, with psychics, like when, somebody gives a medium reading, you know, we, we could score it. That's what we do in medium certification. It's either right or it's wrong, or they don't, they don't understand or they don't know. But with somebody gives you information about the future, you have no idea until the future happens, you know, and that could be decades, you know? So, and that's why psychics can be, keep their businesses going, even if they're lousy, because who could say they're wrong? You know, <laughs> you, know right. you know, it didn't happen yet, but I was, I'm a, I was once looking into that for some project I was doing and I was on these, um, I went on these psychic hotline, psychic websites, you know, where you pay by the minute. Um, and I, I mean, I was just observing and I was reading the comments and I was just blown away by like people are addicted to it, you know, they're like they're every day, you know, and they're spending their whole paycheck on it. You know, it's great. Oh, almost like the people I see in the supermarket in front of the lotto machines. Yeah. Putting money in and scratching off a ticket and putting more money in. Yeah. Well, that could easily be okay. me, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've, uh, we've reached the end of our run here today. Thanks everybody for sending in your questions and we're going to do the same thing all over again uh, next month. Uh, so before we leave you. I'd like to say our loved ones are only a heartbeat away. And science is going to prove it. Thanks. Good night, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Good night. Good night.